Really excited uh, to be here together today. Um, great to see Stephen Sushop back in today. Been praying for you as you go through just the loss of your brother and uh, and Steve and your new starting a new business. So uh, uh, we're looking forward to hearing more of that from you guys. But it's just great to see you. So I thought I had to say that. Um, I want to tell you a couple of stories today, um, and I, I always feel difficult coming after my friend Steve Neff because he is a great storyteller. But you know he challenged me, and so I'm I'm trying to be better at that myself. But um. You know, so uh, I had this thing happen uh, a couple of years ago. I was leaving to go out of town, and I, uh, you know, being the good husband I try to be, I was cutting up some kindling for Jeanette so she could build a fire, you know, because she doesn't like things that are dangerous, you know, except me, but she likes me because I'm Axes and those types of things. And so I, while doing that, I, I whooped on the, uh, on the kindling with the axe, and a piece of it went flinging up and poke me in the eye, you know. <laughs> you know, it's not the red bite or BB gun that'll get you, it's the kindling. <laughs> and so uh, you know, it's been on my mind. She wants me to wear safety glasses and gloves and boots and you know, I'm like I don't really want to do all that. But um uh choices. Who knew Steve? It's like we have the same thing. We need to talk about it. So uh so I was on the internet. Of course, I've been searching. I know my friend Pat has got this ring for making kindling. And so it's, it's this ring thing, and you, you take the, the split log and put it there, and you, and you whoop on it with a, uh, with a little sledgehammer. And even in this advertisement, it's just really too good to be true. You know, so uh, they have this, and they have this little video of a, of a child just a little bit bigger than Jennifer's age in a snowsuit with an axe, you know, with a hammer, and they're smacking on it, and it's splitting kindling. I'm like, that would be great, you know, and of course, when you search the internet, they go for about a hundred bucks, you know, like, that's a piece of metal, how can it go for a hundred bucks, and so I, I came across one that was only $38, I'm like, $38, that's great, and so it, uh, you know, they shipped it, it came from China, you know, it took, it took a while to arrive, you know, and, you know, and I don't know if you've ever done that, you know, something comes in the mail, and you go, wow. This is interesting. Could this really be it? You know, so I, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the full experience here. You know? so here it is. So, um, you know, isn't that crazy? You know, so so I'm just gonna leave it up there to, in case you have ever believed a lie. I have I have definitely believed a lie. You know, when it, I wanted to, you know, oh, it'll be great. It's cheap. You know, um, I'm, I'm grateful for PayPal because I, you know, Eric was over when I when I messaged PayPal. I was just furious. I'm like, what do you mean? And they gave me my money back in about 10 seconds. Mm -hmm. And so I went out to the, uh, to look at, the, maybe she should read reviews, right? Sort of, and it, you know, there's like, you know, 100,000 reviews. <laughs> this is a scam, you know, don't do it, you know. You know, but I was just going on my emotions, you know. It's like, oh, I don't want to get my eye poked out. My wife will love me. It'll be great. And there I was, you know, stuck with this. So if anybody needs one, I know where you can buy these for 38 bucks. And if you buy more than one, they'll give you a 5% discount. Wow. <laughs> awesome, you know. You know, but, you know, I, I don't know about you. I've made some bad choices in my life. 
you know, and uh, I was thinking of another one that really stood out to me, and I was, I, I found this picture, and this is of me, I was looking for pictures of that era, so this is around, this is my freshman year in, in college, and uh, as you can tell, I was really excited about being in ROTC, I, I really went to the effort, and I got my hair cut, and I wore my best shirt for my, my intake photo, and this is the one they posted on the board, I think it was there for quite a while, they gave it to me as a gift when I graduated from ROTC, but you know, so in this time frame, I was, uh, I, I had a lot of classes, but I wasn't married yet. That would come a year or so later. Um, but um, I was really interested in telephones. You know, and that may seem weird to you, but telephones actually were fairly high tech in some respects. And there was a class, an evening class. I'll take this. It's, it's, there's no exams, you know, as, as, a, as a student, like, there's no test, and they'll give you a grade, and you just have to go. They take you on tours. And they ask you to do like a homework set, like six of them. Six homework sets and I can get a grade. Wow. It'll be awesome, you know. And then, of course, reality set in on the rest of my life. You know, I have all these other classes I'm taking, and they do have tests. And they do have more than six homeworks, and it's not just for fun. And so I've taken this class with a buddy of mine. <clears throat> well, I'll just say his name is Joe, which is his name. I'll tell you the rest of it. And so what Joe and I did, after about one week, we said, you know what? This is, this is ridiculous. We'll take turns going to class. And so we alternated going to class. And so one took notes and then did the homework for the week. And the other collaborated. Let's <laughs> collaborated on the answers and, and jotted them down. And so, um, you know, I, I, I pulled the paper back out because I went in like on probably the fourth week or whatever it was. And it was my week. I had done my homework, sent it with my friend Joe. He turned it in. Turned out he, he, he had gotten one of uh, the problems really wrong. He'd drawn a, a block diagram out of the textbook and it was just wrong, wrong. And of course, I collaborated and I had the same wrong, wrong picture there. And, uh, and so on the top of, uh, of each of our papers, it said, hey, Peter Leaf, do you know Joe? And hey, Joe, do you know Peter Leaf? And so that's never a good sign. So I, you know, of course, I was a bit, a bit late going into the class and it was silence in there. And so then the professor here, the lecturer, whoever it was, he got up and he said, you know, uh, we've had, I don't know, 20 or 30 people who have been collaborating. <laughs> he didn't use those words. And he says, you know, ultimately this is grounds for expulsion. You know, you know where I, MIT, where I went, has a very strict uh, code of ethics <laughs> and of, of academic integrity, as you would hope. You know, when next time you fly in a plane, you're appreciating academic integrity for people like me who are aeronautical engineers. You know, it, it could have meant the difference between you uh, not making it home. And so he said, you know, we're going to take it under advisement. If we see this again, we will then, you know, we will take it up. And so, as you might imagine, I was pretty anxious about that. You know, I felt, you know, I was scared. I could get thrown out of college, never to come back again. This could radically change my life over, you know, an emotional bad decision to make. It was, it was frightening. And, uh, you know, I, I could have responded to it in a number of ways. You know, I could have said, hey, what's up with my friend Joe? And I think I did respond that way. Couldn't you get the answer right so I could at least collaborate on a right answer? You know, um, I could have blamed him. You know, I could have uh, just said, oh, the system, the system is broke. Why are they so strict? This is just a fun class. I should be able to collaborate and not have so much stress on me. 
You know, I, I kind of felt like, oh, I got too much work going on. I'm really busy, you know. It's understandable that I, I make that decision and make that choice. You know, probably the farthest sort of thing from my mind would have been to say, you know what? I, I sinned. I didn't do right in this. That was my That was wrong for me to do that. You know, we're not, it's hard to go into work and say, you know what? I, I'm really messing up because I've been ungodly. You know, that, you know, people don't usually hear that or understand that very well. Now, I'm really grateful the instructor chose to give us just that verbal, verbal warning. I really did mend my ways and change. You know, so I went on, I, actually, this is me in the wind tunnel at MIT, uh, working on my thesis project to, to design uh, control surface end plates. Um, it was fun. You know, ultimately, they let me graduate. You know, I, I feel like I, I cleaned up pretty good, you know, over the course of four years, a little bit better than I did when I first, you know, walked into the program. But, you know, you think about both of these choices, whether it's, you know, Peter really wanting to have an awesome wood splitter and getting this instead, or just deciding it's too hard. You know, it's too hard to do it the way of integrity, I think I'll take the way of unintegrity. You know, those are both poor choices that I made when I really wasn't trying to live out the truth. You know, you know, this way, hopefully this is a more minor example of that. But even again, it's like I didn't really do the work that it took to get what I really wanted to accomplish. It was that choice that got me in trouble. And so you know, this morning I wanted to spend a little bit of time just thinking about, talking about the impact that our choices have on us. <clears throat> I want us to look at Romans 6, the, sixth, the second half, and really just talk about, I'll talk about how it's impacted my life, and uh, you can come along for the journey, okay? So uh, <clears throat> let's just take a look at Romans here. Come on, Peter. So it says here, What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means, don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, <clears throat> you are slaves to the one whom you obey. Whether you're slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. You know, so as a disciple of Jesus, you know, I, I feel like I got this choice in front of me. You know, will I be obedient to God and to Jesus, and, and will I follow what they've called me to do? Or will I choose to, to, you know, to sin, right? Which, you know, for you nerdy guys, sin, hamartia, archery term, what's it mean? Miss the mark. So there's really our two choices. Either are making the right choice or not making the right choice. Missing the mark. So I have a choice. You know, I was reflecting on that. You know, I've been working on just a way of, of, of reading scripture, praying about it, meditating about it listening to it, praying again, and just let it sit on you and sort of try and let it figure it out. And what really stood out to me is just the whole idea here of, of you offer yourselves. You know, God doesn't make me obey. He just lets me decide, do I want to do this? Do I want to be obedient to him? Or do I want to not be obedient to him? You know, it's, it's not really even a matter of, of choosing death. But ultimately, not obeying him doesn't say that here is that you are slaves to one to whom you obey. Either you're slaves to, to missing the mark, which just eventually leads you to death, or to following Jesus, following God, which then leads to righteousness, which uh, for another day is, is the covenant relationship that God has granted to us. That is our eternal life, as we'll see later here in the verse. 
You know, I think about what kind of choices am I making? You know, what will I think about? You'll notice that what you think about really impacts how you feel. You know, and, and the Bible talks, Jesus talks about that a bunch, about the kinds of things that we should focus our hearts on and our minds on. But, you know, even do we, do we believe the best about other people? You know, do we go, oh, yeah, well, you know, he or she did that, but I really believe she was not trying to hurt me, she was trying to help me. Um, or do we, you know, even extend that to others, that gift of poor thinking by, I'll just slander him. I'll just say, yeah, I can't believe he did that. He did that because. Or, you know, I heard that gossip, right? I can gossip. I can just spread spread the wealth. Now, some things I feel good about gossiping about or telling about, I don't think this is slander. This is the real, this is the facts here. Um, but, you know, oftentimes that's not how I end up. I tend to go by, well, I felt like this, so therefore that was true. But instead, really, if I could switch it around, just get my mind to think about where I want to go, you know, it would really be different. I really do have control in a lot of cases around the feelings, the emotions that are controlling me. If I'm just willing to work on it, to, to really take it to God. You know, and obedience is important. You know, John in John 7, John 8, doesn't Jesus talk about that? He says, you know, if you hold to my teachings, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. How do you know if it's true? You obey. You do it. You try it. You put it into practice. You know, am I making my decisions, my choices, based on the words of Jesus? Or am I just, you know, to use a modern uh, metaphor, have I found my own truth? You know, here's some things he said. He said, I just mentioned, hold to my teachings, you'll know if they're true. You know, he said that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what I say and what I do are really good barometers of where, I, where, where it's going on in here. And am I really trying to listen to that? You know, he says, if, if someone sins against you and repents, what should you do? Forgive them. How many times? That's my namesake, Peter. Right? What do you say? How many times, Jesus? And it's either seven times seven or 77 or it, it's a lot. Seven. I mean, honestly, I've never had to repent to, uh, to uh, forgive somebody seven times in a day. I know that hasn't happened. That has not happened. Well, take that back. Maybe with my young, you know, five or six year olds, that, that might have been the case. I think that once was a dozen times. But, you know, how about Matthew 18? If someone sins against you, what are you supposed to do with it? Tell everybody, slander them, gossip. Well, first you're supposed to go and talk to them, right? Go and talk to them. And if you can work it out, you work it out. If you can't, then you go get somebody else to sort of help you with that. I was going to say collaborate, but I've burnt that word already <laughs> in this message. So uh, those are all, those are, see, those are things that Jesus has called us to be obedient on. You know, so I think it's, I was reading, uh, an author I've been re reading recently, he just says that people, we do not intend to be inwardly changed, transformed, so that obedience to Christ comes naturally, will not, no matter what means they think of themselves as employing, God is not going to pick us up by the seat of our pants as if it were, as it were and throw us into transformed kingdom living into holiness. God does not, not pick you up and make you be holy. Remember, we talked about, I get to offer myself. If I offer myself, then God will allow me to change and, and be different. Amen.
a little more here in Romans. It says, But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You've been set free from sin and become slaves to righteousness. I put this in human terms because you are weak in your natural selves, just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer them in slavery to righteousness, leading to holiness. You know, Paul was grateful just to hear about the Roman church, the disciples there, they were wholeheartedly obeying the things that they learned. You know, they were, he was excited about that. I'm excited about that when I see that anymore. People, people are doing their best. They're wholehearted about it. They really are striving to do what God wants them to do. To me, that's, that's exciting when I see it in myself, when I see it in you. When we're really trying to do that. It's just it's encouraging. It's powerful. You know, it's something that we can be grateful for. But then I turn it on myself. Am I wholeheartedly, you know, it's challenging. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Am I doing that? Am I going and making disciples of all nations? Am I loving other people deeply? Oh, this whole hardest stuff is hard. It, it's serious. You know, it's like, you know, it's, it's, I think it's an interesting metaphor. He says you're going to be set free from slavery and become slaves to freedom. You know, that's just a little, wait a minute. <laughs> okay, I, I'm now, I'm, I'm going to be a slave to freedom. Okay, I like it. You know, but um, do I see impurity in myself as slavery to sin? Do I see that as, as, as leading me toward ever-increasing wickedness in my life? Am I that serious about it? Am I that, uh, you know, does it really just hit me? You know, Jesus didn't pull any punches. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. <clears throat> Full stop. He said that. He said, uh, you must pick up your cross and follow me. He said, anyone that wants to live a godly life will be persecuted. Those are all facts. <clears throat> facts that come along with this, this offering myself to be obedient, to be wholehearted <clears throat> in what I'm doing. Um, you know, am I really taking that path, that walking, you know, walking with Jesus? Um, you know, can you imagine what it would be like If we were without deceit, without malice, just imagine. Do you think God wants us to be to have deceit in our life? No, not at all. Do you think He wants us to have malice in our life? You know, so we could decide. I could decide that I will never mislead another person again. I will not be deceitful. I will never do or say things merely to cause pain or harm. I could decide that. That's a pretty strong decision. I will not do anything to hurt somebody. You know, if we decide that we, we did that today, right now, it would have a huge impact in all of our relationships. Yeah. You know, it, it's, 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 you know, lying and, and, and malice are foundational sins. Mm-hmm. You know, when we, I remember with my children, one thing we would not tolerate is, is lying. Because it breaks down everything else. Have you gotten into collaboration with sin? You know, have you been looking for the truth and finding uh, less than truths? 
think the standard of Jesus is high. It's exciting. It's powerful. And that's really what we're called to do. That's the kind of thing that I'm willing to, to offer my life up for. I'm willing to give it up for that because that's what I want to be. I want that to be transformed in my life. I want to eliminate, you know, the idea that, uh, you know, my, my core verse, Ephesians 4.29, let no unwholesome talk come out of my mouth except what's useful for building others up according to their needs. That's a hard, high standard, but it's exciting because it really ties me into the power that I have in Jesus. Let's look at this last part of Romans 6. It says, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you're now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you've been now you that you have been set free from sin and become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, slaves and servants. You know, it's equal. It's the same word uh, in the Greek. You know, Jesus explained in Luke 17. It's interesting. He, he talked about the, the servant coming back in from the field. And in Luke 17, he just says, you know, well, do you think that the master is going to feed you dinner? No, you come in from the field, and what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to make the master dinner, and then you'll get to have your part of it. You know, and so Jesus finishes that out. He says, so you also, when you've done everything you were told to do, should say we're unworthy servants. We've only done our duty. What's the benefit that I reap out of this? Holiness. Be like Jesus, I get to be like God. I get eternal life. So when you see eternal life, what that means is that means a never-ending life. That's kingdom life. That's a transformation. That means you will never experience death. You will be in God's kingdom forever. And so when he says here that the result of this is your kingdom life. This is your eternal life. This is your holy life. This is what it means to make a decision to not collaborate with the devil. Not to go for the, the, uh, the cheap and easy fix, but to really do the hard work, to really dig in and let, let it be hard. You know, let it be difficult. Let it be excited. You know, I'm excited when I eventually get the right wood splitter. It's going to be awesome. And I'm going to take a video and say, I'm going to smash this thing with a million pieces. It might even make a, a TikTok video. It could be cool. Read the reviews. <laughs> I will read the reviews. It's challenging. Um, amen. I have one more story to tell you as we finish up. So this was a, a story that I, I learned about. There's a guy named Nicholas Winton. Everybody's heard about Nicholas? Nicholas is an interesting guy. So Nicholas, before World War II, um, lived in the UK, and he was uh, he became aware as Hitler invaded Czechoslovakia that they really they, they put a number of people uh, into refugee status because they were Jews, and so it was the precursor to all the horrid things that, that Hitler would go on to do. <clears throat> but um, Nicholas went over to, to Prague, I think on a two-week vacation. Single guy, he was a stockbroker, you know, and when he got there, he, he just encountered all these children and families that not very dissimilar to the Ukraine today, where they, they were trying to get their kids out, and they couldn't get them out. And so uh, Nicholas said, you know, 
maybe what I can do is I can help with that. And so maybe there's a way that we can help those kids at least be placed back in, you know, in the United States, the United Kingdom, somewhere. And uh, it turned out that, you know, the United States wasn't interested. He wrote the White House, they wrote back and said, yeah, we're not interested in helping. Um, he found that there was some nuance in, in the British law about if you could find a, a family to sponsor them, they could come and live, you know, in, in the UK. And so he went back home, and he, uh, it, you know, I encourage you to watch the, watch the YouTube video. He worked with, uh, uh, on the edge of the law, let's say. He took letterhead from a charitable foundation. He printed on it children's fund or something, and just basically co-opted their name. And uh, he really went about it, and so he was able, got pictures, got dossiers on the kids, was able to find placement homes for 669 kids. And so he had seven train loads coming out of Prague, going up to the English Channel, and then bringing them across to to, uh, to London to be placed. And on, on the day the war broke out, there was one final train ready to go. They had 250 kids on it, and they didn't get to go. And uh, many of the children who made it out, uh, their parents didn't. You know, Czechoslovakia lost seven, over 70,000 Jews were killed during, during Hitler's reign of terror. <clears throat> so he, in that one vacation, you know, went on to try to make a difference. But it's, the story gets better because he, you know, he did that and he just went on with his life. You know, so he got married, had kids. And literally, nearly 50 years later, his wife in the attic found the scrapbook of the notes from the kids and the dossiers and the lists, and she, he never told her. He never even mentioned you know, the, you know, this thing he'd done. And so she uh, somehow took it to the BBC, and they said, this is an interesting story. And so they, they put together uh, a TV show um, in 1988. So that's what this next picture is, let's look at that, it's interesting, so uh, here he is, so he's the guy in the center, right? that's Nicholas right there, and so he's sitting there in the audience, and so they, they start to talk about, you know, what he'd done, and they had been able at that time to find 80 of the kids that he'd saved, this is 1988, so they're, I don't know, 50-ish, um, and so it turns out that these people around him, this is a little summary of all the things he did, but all those people sitting around him were kids he'd say. And so after the show aired, even more sort of came out of the woodwork, like we never knew. We never knew who it was that saved our lives. That you know, we did we lost our parents, but we saved our lives. And uh, you know, you know, there I think it tells some more about it. You know, he um, they believe there was over over 15,000 people at this you know this time that are the generations that came from those 660 kids. You know, one story I read said that uh, one of the doctors, the top immunologist who perfected uh, organ transplant, was one of these kids. And so you literally could say organ transplants came, you know, was perfected because of something he did. And when they asked him, he lived to be 105. He was knighted um, by the queen when they found out. And he said, you know, I, I think of the future. I don't think of the past. I'm looking for the good thing that I can do next. And I really love the quote that he had. He said, um, you know, don't be content in your life just to do no wrong. Look every day trying to do some good. The quote 
course, he's leveraging some other interesting folks. You know, Jesus said, what you did for the least of these, you did for me. And they, what did they say? What did we do? They went, they went swimming. And they said, I'm just looking forward. I'm trying to do the next good thing that God has given me the opportunity to achieve. You know, Paul said that too in Romans. He says, you know, it's all summed up in one thing. Love your neighbor. Thank you. Thank you.